You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? Welcome to Tuesday's show. We're back a little late than advertised, but we're here. We got you, don't worry about that. It's me and the big man, Duff. How you doing, mate, after Sunday? You had a late one? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a late one. It was good. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, experience on Sunday to go to a great stadium to uh, watch my team win. Wait, they didn't win. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I, I did say to you beforehand, I was worried and I was nervous about it and I was proven correct. So, uh, yeah, that is what it is. But it was still an unbelievable experience, unbelievable game. So, um, anytime you get to see your team live is good, even if the result doesn't go your way. It was an entertaining game. It was just, uh, uh, a game for the fans but what about that stadium hey that was just unbelievable oh yeah of course because you weren't there for the first game were you so I went two weeks ago and then Murph and I both went this week we didn't sit together however Murph was lucky enough to be press side he was in the press box for the game and got to hang out backstage and be pitch side and stuff so we could it was funny we could actually see each other from our seats so I stood up and was waving like a lunatic in the stand and Murph took a zoomed in photo of me so it was quite funny that we could <laughs> still see each other 
Yeah, what's funny is my boss went to the game as well with a colleague who's flown over from America and uh, they sat together because they had about five seats that were together about five rows behind you. Right. Um, but they didn't tell me they were five rows behind you at the time, otherwise I would have told them to go down. And they, uh, yeah, they took a picture, zoomed in and put it on our Slack channel at work, <laughs> <laughs> which is quite funny. Um, but yeah, it was unbelievable to be press side. Uh, uh, saw some great people, had a good chat. Uh, early doors to Mike Carlson who's been on he's going to come back on for sure uh, met James Simpson of Sky does the Sky coverage um, and then you know the game itself it was great it, you know the touchdown boys uh, hooked us up uh, Dan Ben turned uh, Cy uh, you know hooked me up with with the, with the opportunity to do this so forever in their debt to just get you know backstage and and sort of see how the sausage is made it's uh, a really lovely underneath stadium um and they really look after you they've got so many um like things they give you programs which is pretty normal uh, this sort of thing but they give you do you know this is a funny thing so you know how you think oh the recall and the note-taking these announcers do must be really really good that they can just remember stats like that and plays that have happened they print off every quarter all the plays <laughs> well it's printed off a of press. Like people come by every like 15 minutes, half an hour and come in, give you like the updated stat sheets, like all the drives, like play by play, who tackled who for this and that. So they're not having to take notes. They're not having to remember anything. It's all printed off and given to you. The amount of trees that get yeah. killed. I, it's unbelievable. They give you, I've got a couple of media guides. I haven't shown you yet because I've not seen you um, that are really, really thick. And they're just for like one week only. <laughs> It's got like it's got a million stats. It's a statistician's like Bible, but it's only good for like a week or a couple of weeks. So um Get it it's really it's <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um but you know, it was, it was sad not sitting next to you, but I was consoled by the fact I did get to spend uh, a couple of hours with Stop it. Uh, first of all, I spent half time with Mark Sessler. Uh, we agreed to catch up and we spent all the half time having a chat in the uh, in the atrium and then yeah, I got to sat and watch the six o'clock game with the around the NFL boys, all of them, and just was chatting. Wes and Greg were uh, particularly very friendly, and Mark was as well. And Dan was kind of popping in and out, but still very nice guy. Got a picture and everything. I'll post it up on the Twitter. But yeah, unbelievable experience. Great stadium, uh, great game. Shame about the result, but other than being with you, mate, it was about perfect. Oh, thanks very much. I appreciate that kind gesture. But you got to meet the heroes, and I didn't. So. You know, salty much. Anyway, would shout like to shout out Pitsy and Rob. Got to meet them. Had a little brief chat in the in the stand. And my dad did actually manage to take a photo of us as well. So I'll get that up when he's sent it to me off of his hard drive because he's old school. And he might even print it off, put it into a tube, put it on his racing pigeon, and then send it to me. So it could be a couple of years before we get that, boys. But when we do, I'll let you know. And then also to the franchise tag boys, they they sort of tapped me on the shoulder and asked me if I was stocks from five yard because they've listened and it was nice meeting them as well. And we're going to try and do some sort of collab going forward. So it was just, you know, getting involved with everyone there was nice and yeah, shame the Bucks didn't win, but I thought the game was quite good as a neutral fan and there was some dull moments, but it it was one of the better games at London, shall, I, shall we say? Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, even, even with the five interceptions and even with, um, you know the the turnover galore. It was still entertaining. You, you still always felt the Bucks had a chance until about two minutes before the end, when the fourth interception happened. And you know that's, you know, a lot of people I've seen a lot of press, and 
a lot of people really hating on on Jameis, and and you know to a certain degree, uh, it, it's it's understandable. But man, that that O line was terrible. Do you know he had more pressures, Winston, than Carl Allen had attempts in throwing the football. That's a like, ridiculous stat. That's what I mean. Like people, and this this is when you you can start to. I th- I think it's really different. So we watch games through. TV, don't we? We watch uh, Red Zone and we try and catch what we can and, and tape and um, you know Game Pass and, and all these sorts of things, right? And we watch we watch what we can and we try and get through as many of the plays every week. But even so, when you watch it live and you're watching every single play, you've had time to watch the replays live and um, all the big input and everything. It is watching a completely different game. I think that's what people. Um, that's what I really took from the weekend. I mean, I've been to a lot of NFL games, but. I, I really sort of watched that game with real intensity. And, you know, it's, it's just the fact that I watched the game very, very differently this week. And I, I saw, and I'm not making excuses for Winston, but the first one, you know, the, the receiver doesn't finish his route, which is Mike Evans, and it's picked off. Okay, it's not the best throw anyway, but, you know, there's it's two sides to every story. The second and third interceptions, he gets he gets his arm hit. And it's quite clear he gets his arm hit. And the fourth and fifth one's a garbage time where he's just trying to, make plays to try and keep the, the bucks in the game. I mean, the fumble for me is the worst one. That's, that's the turnover. I can't excuse because he fumbles it and then he lets it go and they recover it. And you think, right, that's your warning. And then he does exactly the same thing. A play later. You think that's just dumb. And I think that's the one that Arians had the issue with. I think the five interceptions as bad as they were, there's a bit of context to that where really it was three. Cause the last two are just, you're chasing the game. You've already pretty much lost. Yeah, and, and um, the first one was a little bit on Mike uh, Evans as well. Wasn't I, massively on Mike Evans. I think he had a very, very disappointing game. Um, and I'm not putting this on, on Mike Evans because he's just, he's an all pro wide receiver. But I think uh, I, you know he very much apologised to the team, uh, and he feels very responsible for the defeat. I think a lot of players do. I think it's a, it's a team loss. It's very easy to point at the quarterback. And, and Jameis Winston came into the press box and. You know, he admitted that it was him and it's all on him. He's the quarterback. I can't have a bad day. And it's he goes into the Superman mode and when he does that, he's 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 gone. But I think the offensive line was terrible. I think uh, the special teams crew is about as bad as I've ever seen. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. And I think, you know, the only the only real players that come out of that with any credence and pride is some of the D line, the linebackers. I thought Devin White had a good game. He got a stiff arm for the touchdown, but I think he had a really good game for someone who's played, I think, less than 100 minutes of NFL football coming into the game. So I think it was a good game. I think Carl Allen has shown. I've always said Carl Allen was a good quarterback. Uh, I think he should keep the job, personally. I think as big call as it is to leave Cam out, I don't think you can bench a guy that's 4-0, and he's really salvaging what I think is a pretty average team. I look at Caroline, and I don't think they're a great team. They have a great weapon that was that has been stopped twice by the Bucks, and everyone will watch that and learn how to stop McCaffrey. And I think on top of that, I think their wide receiver core is decent, but I don't think it's exceptional. And they got a great defense, but I don't think they're they're a, a playoff caliber team. They might sneak in, but they're not going to be challenging for the one or two seats anytime soon. Yeah, interesting. I think isn't hasn't Allen isn't he the first quarterback to? start for his first four games and not throw an INT. Yeah, I, I think Minchu well, he might have been up there. I don't know, actually, because Minchu threw one this week. There's just been breaking news. Um, this is quite big, actually. The Rams have traded cornerback Marcus Peters to the Ravens. What? That's a big trade. 
Yeah, it is. Why? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Considering they've started to struggle. Yeah. And he's been playing every week. Yeah, he's been... Up until two weeks ago, he was either third or fourth PFF-rated corner in the league. Yeah. That's a strange... That's a strange call. I mean, I know they've been trying to get a deal done. It, it apparently, according to Jeff uh, Zubrick, it's going to be a player for player deal. But okay. there's no details who the other player is. Uh, so Barstool Banks is saying that apparently it's going to be Kenny Young and a fifth rounder. Interesting. But I don't know if I believe that. Yeah, well, keep your ears to the ground and maybe something will materialize before you come to the pod, yeah. That's mad. That's a big trade. Oh, that's a great trade for the. It, it depends what they've given up, but um, they certainly needed some help. The Ravens, yeah, especially at cornerback. I think that that's where they're really soft. Um, I, I know that uh, Peters is in the final year of his contract, um, and I know that it, it's quite a big contract. Uh, mind you, I think this year it's not that much. I think it's under two million for this year. Um, so it, he's definitely going to be an unrestricted free agent next year. So unless they've got plans to give him a big contract, they couldn't have given up all that much for him. So maybe we'll see what happens. But yeah, I thought, sorry, I had to break that up. But yeah, I think Kyle Allen is one of the, I think, yeah, I think he is probably the only starting quarterback. I'll have to check that out for you because I think there might've been one or two others, but he has been very impressive. I think what I like about him is he's very calm. He's very poised. He didn't panic. Um, even when special teams turned over the ball for the Panthers, he just showed, what a good no fuss quarterback is and that's what he is he's no fuss you can almost kind of forget that he's there and the good quarterback not forget that's the wrong word you don't worry about the quarterback you don't feel like he's a quarterback that's going to throw the ball uh away too many times he's not going to make a bad play you just he's steady and he's reliable he's almost like Drew Brees in that regard you just know that he's going to get it done and I get that kind of Drew Brees aura about Kyle Allen uh, under center. And I think he makes the rest of his team very good. And I don't know why you'd be messing around bringing Cam back because Cam for the last eight, nine games he's played, it's been pretty terrible. And you can say injury, whatever you like, he's not the same MVP player. I mean, if Cam is 100% fit, then it's a very different question. But are we ever going to get 100% fit Cam again? I don't know. Yeah. Going back to the Ravens cornerbacks, actually, Marlon Humphrey's been playing pretty well as well. So someone's had- partner with him. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, the Ravens' D's got worse over the last season with all the trades they the players they let go and traded away. But adding Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey and that's now that's a strong win now move for a division that is very much up for grabs. They got a two two game lead or one game lead oh, I for the don't division. Know off the top of my head. They've got a they've got a strong position. I think they got a two game lead in that division. Um, but I mean, the AFC North is is nothing to be feared. It's it's arguably the worst division in in football at the moment, just in terms of who who's in there. I mean, yeah, so they have got a two game lead. They're four and two. The Browns are two and four. The Steelers are two and four. Miraculously, don't ask me how they've got two wins, and then the Bengals are zero and six. So, you know, they've got the, the same amount of wins as the other three teams combined. Yeah, they're definitely the best team in that division right now. Oh, they're winning the division. I don't think there's any doubt. I think uh, people would turn around and say, well, the Brown schedule gets easier round week 10. Yeah, it does. But the, the division could be almost done by then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
yeah, big trade that. It's going to be interesting to see what the player is that they've uh, that they've given up. I'm trying to think who it could be on top of my head. Yeah, well, let's see what happens. I, I mean, I tell you the one I think for me that would make sense is if you've got. Uh, it'd be interesting if it was someone like Gus Edwards. See, it could it could be some. But is it going to be Gus Edwards? I mean, I'd uh, absolutely love that as a Mark Ingram owner, but and Justice Hill owners as well. That that tweaks them a little bit, but I think it's, it could well be along the lines of offensive line because the Rams have been struggling, haven't they, on offensive line? I don't, I don't think the, I don't think they've got a lot of offensive line help either. Uh, I'm not looking at, yeah, I'm not looking at, at the the offensive line of the Ravens, thinking, oh, there's loads of talent like lying around there to be traded. So. <laughs> be interesting to see how PFF have their offensive line grade. Well, I can look on DVOA. Um, I mean, I look at their total. Okay, go for it. Um, anyway, let's let's crack on. All right. So, that Monday Night Football: the Packers beat the Lions twenty-three twenty-two. This was a game of three teams because the officials got so much wrong in this one. Murph, it was horrendous. I so we missed last week. We had to do a bit of a shorter pod, um, and on the agenda, I was. Um, I had a rant in here about refereeing decisions because I'd, I'd gone by and said that last week, as in two weeks ago, was the worst officiating performance I'd probably um, had seen in terms of uh, just overall, uh, just the amount of decisions that were wrong. I mean, there were so many decisions. Um, I've I've had to put it up like Vernon Hargraves being pushed by Michael Thomas for no OPI. I mean, that bucks... Uh, Saints game was an absolute joke. There was a muff punt that they said there wasn't a clear recovery of the ball, and you, you got Anthony O'Clair is like standing up with the ball in his hand, like how's that not a clear recovery? <laughs> you know, twelve men on the field missed. Um, the T.Y. Hilton called for pass interference when his hands didn't touch the defender. That was just a joke. Like that was so bad. And then you get this game, and this game is the worst officiated NFL game I've ever seen in my life. I I just I, I I just lost for words at how bad it was because you've got two hands to the face penalties called against Trey Flowers on big third downs that he didn't touch the face mask he didn't touch the helmet you know he had his hands clearly on the chest it's very visible very easy to see that that is what happened um, that first drive goes for a touchdown which would have been a fourth and five and they would have kicked a field goal they would have been a, a longish field goal and the second one is the game winning drive that they would have been off the field or they would have had to have gone for it. Um, no guarantees what happened. Um, your player who was for your Jamal Williams, who was down by contact just before the one didn't think it was a touchdown, but it was given. Um, I just thought it was horrendous officiating. So uh, and it's such a shame because it takes away from the joy of the game. And I think that officiating now is at an all time low. And I think you're at this decision now where you've got replay and you either use it for those clear-cut decisions, like those Trey Flower, that we're not arguing offensive and defensive pass interference here where it's a bit subjective. It's, did his hands touch his helmet? Yes or no? No. Right. Overthrow the penalty. Overrule it. Like, it's an easy thing. And you even now use replay for things like that, or you don't use replay at all and you take it away. Because you can't have the outcome of games decided when everyone's walking away livid with the result and it's not just because it's the Packers because no one's got a lot of love for the Lions in America so uh, it just annoys me at how bad 
it was really, and I don't think it's it's acceptable to have games decided by referees. Yeah, the lines are I mean, unlucky. Yeah, they've been massively unlucky. I was going to say it's it's if you've got no replay, then you can't. I mean, with so much that happens in the game, they're going to miss calls, and I think that's okay. I think I'd rather accept a decision of there's no replay. I can see you can see where his hand sort of moves in front and you go, well, you've got one view of it. You've made a rash call. Like it's the wrong call, but it is what it is. But when you've got the TV cameras there and you could just look at that and go, oh, no, wait, no, no, let's no. that, pick up the flag. That's not a penalty. Um, but yeah, the lines have been unlucky. Uh, you know, they botched it against the Cardinals, but yeah, they've had a couple of results. They're an interesting team. It's now... Does it let them affect them? Because this officiating decision, if they'd won that game like they should have done, they would have been in first place. Now they're in last. That division is literally anybody's. Too close to call at the moment. Just looking at the uh, Football Outsiders offensive line rankings, Baltimore are ninth currently. Yeah, against the pass. Yeah, they're ninth against the pass, and they're. uh, Uh, It says run block here as well. Yeah, they're. Oh, sorry, they're ninth against the run, and they're twenty third, twenty second against the pass. Yeah. So, need to do some work on the on the pass. That's what I mean. I don't think that offensive line is is particularly good. So, yeah, but I think they're built more to to protect the run, aren't they, than the pass? So, you know, they like yeah. to run the ball a bit more. So maybe if you build your team around that, but like you say, they do definitely need to work on the passing protection. It's interesting that Pittsburgh are the top ranked pass protection unit as well. I think they're a good defense. I said only, earlier in the season, they've only allowed five sacks. Yeah. That's an interesting, interesting little nugget there. I didn't, didn't realise they were that high up the list. Anyway, to be perfectly honest, when you're only throwing the ball like 30 metres in front of you, it's quite easy to release the ball without taking the sack. That's very true. <laughs> it's a clouded stat. They're lying to me. The football outsiders are lying to me. I mean, they're not. It's, it, they are number one, but they're number one not because they're not taking sacks. <laughs> I've, I've got the player for Marcus Peters. It is linebacker Kenny Young. Interesting. Maybe they got depth at linebacker they feel they can give up uh, I mean yeah I, I don't know a lot about Kenny Young um, he's you know he got drafted in 2018 fourth round linebacker um, finished his rookie year 51 combined tackles two and a half sacks and a forced fumble so um, I mean I've, I've probably seen him play I haven't really picked him out too much Um so, I, I guess it was a case of there was clearly something's happened with Peters in the last year of his deal. They must like who they've got behind. They don't want to just eat his cap, so they've um, they've moved him on and got a rookie in. I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I would have said that linebacker was the biggest need that they had. Um, I don't think that Rams defense is absolutely terrible. So. No. Um, it'd be interesting to see if he does slot in unless there's an injury or something that we don't know about I guess um, we'll do some work over the next day or so and try and work out the mood behind that but yeah, interesting trade Absolutely, talking of uh, trades and releases and stuff, the Panthers have released Ray Ray McLeod and the Bucks have cut Bobo Wilson and linebacker Devontae Bond I mean, I have to say on Bobo Wilson he's arguably one of the worst NFL players I've ever seen um, he only really got a job because he was Jameis Winston's uh, like best target in college. Um, and sort of that's why he kind of got the job initially and he's been cut so many times. But I think after Sunday's performance where he muffed two punts 
Uh, one got fumbled and then, uh, well, they both got fumbled, but one got recovered. And then the second one was a turnover, which led to the sort of game clinching score. Um, I think that was the end. And this actually brings up my favorite point of Sunday. So uh, not my favorite, but it's up there. So <laughs> the guy in the press box, there's what's interesting is that they have a guy who does the call for the game. So rather than relying on the stadium announcer, you've got a guy who reads what happened on the play. So it'll be like uh, James Winston pass complete to Chris Godwin uh, for nine yards, tackled by Shaq Thompson. Um, the, the play, the ball's been spotted at the 22 for 14 yards, and it's a first down. So they go through that, and the, this guy does it every game. Now, I actually met this guy Friday. His name is Paul Stewart. So he actually is a big part of Buck Power, and he does a, a lot of things with the Buccaneers franchise. Um, and I had the opportunity to meet him on Friday, and he said he was calling the game. I started this now for you. So the so Bobo muffed the first one. It was recovered. Then he then muffed another punt, which was turned over. He then caught, which was arguably the most difficult of the three because the wind got it and it turned. And he managed to catch it. And he announced, like, uh, punt not muffed by Bobo Wilson. <laughs> Return of two yards. <laughs> Everyone in the press box. This has been picked up on – it was on the Around the NFL podcast. I was like, I know that guy. And he actually um, – messaged me on facebook he said oh i hope you <laughs> hope you enjoyed that i was like yeah i did actually it was really good that's <laughs> one of my highlights so, what a top move yeah. top move he's like I'm, i might get in a bit of trouble for that but you know what it's a bit of british humor for it it was quite funny <laughs> so yeah so uh, to, i had to tell that story that's all right i enjoyed it as uh you just mentioned shaq thompson but unfortunately he lost his mum after flying back from the london game this weekend so yeah, so in in between the time he was on the plane, his mum passed away, and not a lot of details as to what's happened. But he got off the the plane to find out his mum had passed away, which is incredibly sad for a young man to lose his mum at, at that age. Um, thoughts are, thoughts are with him and his family at, at this difficult time. Yeah, one hundred percent. My boy Chris Herndon, he's been added to the Jets roster. Everybody was excited, and then it turned out uh, Adam Gase was saying, "You know, when it, I need to see him." I need to see him perform in order to get into the team. But I think he was actually just masking the fact that he is injured. I think it's a hamstring nerf. But everyone was excited to play him in their fantasy lineups this week. And then it turned out that he wasn't going to be playing after coming back from suspension. Yeah. Um, and we'll get on to him in a minute. But doesn't look like he's going to play this week either. God damn. <sighs> I was so excited. Stashed him in a few places and... Now like, I feel like I made a bit of an error, but anyway. I think he'll be back in week eight. Uh, yeah, week eight. Yeah, I guess that's half your fantasy season and tight end is a bit of a quagmire right now. So if he can provide you with a decent floor, I think you'll be happy with the yeah. half season stash. Mason Rudolph, Steelers quarterbacks, hopeful to return week eight after his horrific injury. We, we touched on that last week, Murph. Yeah, really bad. Uh, Buy this week, so um, don't need to play your pharmaceutical companies this week uh, in Delvin Hodges. Uh, you, you, can, you can rest them and, uh, and and yeah mason should be fine to go to throw the ball 50 inches forward uh stop it stop fun. it there's some Steelers fans it's, out there but it's so boring to watch it is, it is horrendous. <laughs> it's so boring to watch man they're on tv another two times in the next three weeks it might get better it, hopefully oh, it, it can't get worse that's that is very true at least it's not the Titans. Oh, Sorry, Titans fans, but... Yeah, it's not pretty over in Tennessee right now, is it? It really isn't. I'm still waiting for them to announce who's going to start on Sunday. <laughs> I think Tannehill's going to get it. He should do. 
Um, he should do. He was much better after Mario got benched. I mean, in a week that Jameis Winston uh, got <laughs> got five turnovers, at least you can say he looked reasonably competent at times. Whereas <laughs> Marcus Mariota gets benched. I mean, it's almost comical that you can script that together that the number one and number two of the draft uh, five years ago have not really panned out to be anywhere near where people thought they would be. Yeah, let's hope Baker Mayfield isn't going down that same avenue, but we'll leave that for Ooh. another podcast. <sighs> That's a whole podcast on its own right now. Tab straight. Patriots wide receiver, rookie wide receiver, and Keel Harry has returned to practice. So that's good news for dynasty owners who drafted him. I think even for season long, I think he's someone that I'd be looking to acquire and stash. Um, Patriots are in desperate need of wide receiver help. There really isn't a lot there. Um, I think he's someone round about the week nine, week 10 mark is someone who will start to get some production. And I think in the run up to the fantasy playoffs, that run is pretty good. I think you can, uh, potentially see him. It's a shot. It's a shot in the dark. I'm not telling you now that Nikhil Harry is going to be a wide receiver one in week 13, 14, 15, 16. But I think he's got a shot to be a solid wide receiver two with wide receiver one potential upside in PPR. Um, but just because there isn't anyone else there, he's going to, you know, they'll give him some time to adjust to the offense. It's a complicated offense, but he's a, he's a real dart throw. But if you've got a deep enough bench or you've got a, a space you can stash, he's a guy I'd be looking at right now. Yeah, for sure. Star cornerback Patrick Peterson returns to the Arizona Cardinals this week after his six-week ban. That's going to help their defense. No end getting a, a decent cover corner back is only going to be good for their offense. They're not going to be chasing as many points, and hopefully that helps them stay a bit more relevant because they've not been great recently. Yeah, well, not been great is an understatement. Um I'd be kind. surprised. Yeah, I, I'd be surprised if Patrick Peterson is still an Arizona Cardinal at the end of the season. Really? Or at the end of the month. Yeah, I, I, for me, I think he's a trade candidate. I think there's, if you're a team now, I'm thinking right now of teams, we've just seen the Ravens make a move for a cornerback. Um, they're a team thinking about playoffs. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, for me, need massive help in that position. Uh, is someone that I can see going out and doing what it takes to get Patrick Peterson. Um, the Talking. Eagles the Eagles don't have any cornerbacks. They were horrific, horrific against the, the Vikings. Yes, they were. If they want to make the playoffs. Patrick Peterson is the sort of player that they need. Um, it's quite a few teams. Uh, the Cowboys, they lost both the starting cornerbacks at the weekend. Questionable to return whether they're going to play week eight. They're down to bare bones. They look like they could be a playoff team potentially. Um, they need cornerback help. It wouldn't be, I wouldn't put it past Jerry to pull off a trade this size. I just think for me, there's too many teams that need a good cornerback. He's as good as it comes. And I can't see him rotting the rest of his career playing for uh, a three to seven win team in Arizona. Yeah, I suppose maybe he's going to be wanting to chase a ring, isn't he? Oh, if not chase a ring, just be competitive, just to play in the playoffs. Uh, and he's good enough. Like you know, the PED stuff aside, you know he's a good player, and you know he's an All Pro. Um, this is going to break his streak of being in the uh, being an All Pro. I think it's what eight seasons running or something like that. It's been a long streak that this is being broken this season. Talking of uh, chasing down rings, this week Tyreek Hill should practice in full. Came back last week with a fantasy bang. I think Mahomes Mahomes is definitely hobbled slightly and you could tell watching him this week, but Tyreek Hill being back definitely helps him. 
yeah, definitely. Um, they just all look bagged up the Chiefs. Everyone, so every time you look at the Chiefs' offense, you just think that person's out, that person's out. They are they're one Patrick Mahomes ankle away from being relevant this season. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I just, it's all starting to go a little bit wrong for the Chiefs. I mean, they're four and two. It's not over by any stretch of the imagination, um, and their division is pretty safe. The Chargers have got two wins. The Broncos have got two wins. Uh, you know, you, you can't see anybody really challenging. But I tell you now, if if they don't start nursing these, they, and they've got a long way to their bye. Their bye is week 12. They've got a long time to get these guys healthy. Um, <laughs> so they're, they're a real situation at the moment that it's just every week I'm like, do I start anyone in this offense? Because as much as I really want to, are they going to make it through the game? Um, we'll talk about some of the injuries. They make up quite a good chunk of the injury report. Talking of the injury report, let's dive right in. I'll read out the names, their problems, and how they're getting on. We'll, we'll dive through this first bit pretty quick, Murph, and then we'll get into the actual questionables for week seven, a bit heavier on. So I'll start with Amari Cooper. He's got a left quadricep contusion. He's week to week questionable for week seven. Fire up your Michael Gallops. Alvin Kamara, left knee slash ankle soreness. He's day-to-day played week six, probably going to play week seven. Todd Gurley, left quad contusion day-to-day. He's questionable for week seven. Uh, I'm not sure we'll see him. If he's questionable, they're not going to want to run him out there and injure him further. Didn't play week six. The Rams were woeful. And if he doesn't play week seven... Uh, I, I, on the side of the caution, I think he plays. I don't think the Rams could afford. They've lost. They've lost three straight. Yeah, I'm not saying that they they can afford to not play him, but I just I don't. Whether his current injury, you know, arthritis and everything like that, I think they're going to want to make sure he's fit. It's a bruise. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm just reading the the injury report. I, I mean, if I've got a bruise, I'm going to work. That's what I mean. I mean, I'm oh. not running into huge people, but well, yeah, that's true. And that O-line is awful at the moment, so. It is, yeah. <laughs> Saquon Barkley, right high ankle sprain, should have missed about eight weeks. Is day-to-day and is probably going to play week seven. That guy is superhuman. Devontae Adams, thought he had turf toe, doesn't. Turns out to be a right toe sprain. He's week-to-week, didn't play week six, and is doubtful for week seven. I really hope he turns up. And then, oh, I say, and then, there's three more. Evan Ingram, right, MCL sprain is week-to-week, questionable for week seven. I think that's a no. Drew Brees, right thumb ligament repairs, week-to-week, he is out for week seven. And then my boy, AJ Green, left ankle surgery is week-to-week and is already ruled out as week seven. Yeah. Oh, Murph, this I, next one makes me sad. Sorry. Go on. Yeah, I'll talk about this one and I'm going to rattle through all these because there's about 30 players on this injury report that are fantasy relevant. I cut people that weren't fantasy... Well, are still fantasy relevant, but I don't think there are people available like on every everybody's league, so I cut them out. Um, so Will Disley is out for the season with a torn Achilles. Um, it's Yeah, it's it's such a shame. It really tears up our Scott Fishbowl team. And we were talking about him last week saying 18th round, he's a steal, but uh, we're sort of back to the drawing board with tight ends, uh, relying on Tyler Eifert and uh, Jack Doyle. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, really interesting scenario. So we'll have to try and pull something out from there. Um, so, yeah, real shame. Someone who had a big injury last year. We talked about it um, a couple of weeks ago. We said, look, in- injury is the one thing with this fella that stopped him from becoming a big game player, and it's happened here. So 
wish him all the best in his recovery. We hope he appears back in 2020, but he's going to have the same draft stock he had this year purely on an injury like that. Achilles is a very difficult thing to recover from permanently. So. He needs to go and uh, spend some time with Emmanuel Sanders. That's, that's, yeah, that's what exactly what he needs to do. <laughs> so I'm going to rattle through these ever so quickly. Um, so Chris Thompson uh, has got a foot injury. He is uh, doubtful for week seven. Um, Devin Singletree is probable to play this week. Rex Burkhead is questionable this week. Rashad Penny is questionable this week. John Allison's question was, we guy lean towards probably doubtful on that because the concussion protocol, Sammy Watkins is doubtful. He's probably not going to play this week, nor is Sterling Shefford. He's highly doubtful for this week as well. Sean Jackson is questionable, but given his injury history recently, I think he's also probably not going to play either. So make arrangements for that. Josh Gordon is questionable. doesn't really matter if he plays or not. He's not really fantasy relevant anymore. If you're still relying on Josh Gordon every week, I just want to remind people that he's had one game where he scored 14 or more PPR points uh, since 2013. That's only one more than me. Right. So if you're relying <laughs> on Josh Gordon to uh, win you a championship, you probably best move on. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is probable to play this week. Uh, whether he gets targets is another question, but he has a great matchup against the Chiefs. Marquis Brown is questionable. He didn't play last week. Christian Kirk is questionable, but he's been questionable every week and not played. So take that a pinch of salt. Um, Kenny Stills is questionable. I actually lean towards probably doubtful. I don't think you'll see Kenny Stills this week. Um, Philip Dorsett is questionable. Probably a similar boat. I don't know if he's going to line up this week. And then we have Paris Campbell. He's definitely out this week. Chris Herndon is doubtful. Again, I think he's probably out this week. Vernon Davis is the same. He's doubtful. I reckon he's out this week. Mitchell Trubisky is questionable. I think he probably depends how he practices today, tomorrow, but I'd be surprised if he doesn't play on Sunday. Randall Cobb is questionable. Uh, Marcus Lee is doubtful and Jeff Swain is also doubtful. I think towards that one being out um, and expect Josh Oliver to get his first start in the NFL at tight end on Sunday for the Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars. After hearing that injury report, Murph, and it isn't a spoiler for the waiver wire segment, fire up your Jacoby Myers, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Jacoby Myers is a player that people should be targeting. There's a few players actually on the uh, waiver wire. There's a... Why don't we do the waiver wire now? And then there's a couple of players who I think um, since writing the waiver wire article yesterday that I've had a look and actually think might add some value as well that we can look at. Okie dokie. I'll start with the Bronco. His name's Joe Flacco. He's only 4.2% owned. They take on Kansas City. The stat sheet didn't look impressive for Flacco this week. However, it didn't need to because the Broncos were in control from minute one to the last minute of the game. The defense turned up. The Titans had a good defence and they contained the wide receivers for the most part. However, Flacco did what he needed to. Next week, like I said, they take on Kansas City and Kansas City defence is a sieve at the moment. If Flacco can attack the cornerbacks and use both Sutton and Saunders, if he is back, he could have a nice game next week. Flacco, he's typical week seven waiver wire. That's about it. He's not going to smash your team into it. He's not going to get 45 points, but hopefully against Kansas City, he's not going to kill you. And and if you get 15, 18 points from him against the leaky Kansas City, that's pretty good when streaming a quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think, first of all, it's very thin on waiver wire for quarterbacks this week for matchups and what's out there. Um, so you're just looking at matchup dependence. There's obviously better quarter, uh, quarterbacks on there, but they have very difficult defensive um matchup so I think this one at least you're going to get the best you can get out of 
Joe Flacco, which it might only be 250 yards and two touchdowns, but if he doesn't turn the ball over, then it's fine. It's it's a it's a kind of game that he won't lose you a week. Um, I don't think he's going to necessarily win you a week, but you just kind of want a floor, and I think that's what he'll bring you this week. Uh, he's very much a one-week play here. Um, I'm going with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has got Arizona next. He's 26.6% owned. Uh, arguably one of arguably the best game of his season so far. He went 22 of 29, uh, yeah, 22 of 29, 333 yards, four touchdowns, one INT. He threw three of those to Stefan Diggs, who uh, appeared from nowhere. Um, let's say nowhere. He'd been getting targets. It was kind of on the cards, maybe not to get three touchdowns. Um, but second straight week, he's passed the 300 yard barrier. I mean, what really made this is uh, they had 59 plays from scrimmage, which is quite a considerable amount. I think almost 60 plays from scrimmage. Uh, they still run the ball a lot, but they are bringing those pass uh, attempts upwards. Now, I've had the pleasure of being on the uh, Pat Fitzmorris, um podcast, Fitz on Fantasy, uh, yesterday. If you haven't had a chance to listen, follow the follow our feed on Twitter and, and give that a listen because uh, it was quite a personal podcast and I really enjoyed doing it. Um, and I was asked the question on, on Kirk Cousins and I think if he's if he stays north of 26 passing attempts, he's a relevant quarterback in this league. If it falls south of 26, then that's when I'm starting to to worry about him and then Stefan Diggs, etc. So um, I think this week against Arizona, with even though Pat P's back, they're still going to target the air attack. Uh, I think you'll see him get north of 26 attempts. So I think he's a, a reasonable play this week. Yeah, absolutely. We've got two running backs. One of them is a massive toot toot to your good self. So considering we released this yesterday before the Packers Lions game, I'll let you take the second running back. But my running back is Malcolm Brown. He's twenty five point four percent owned. The Rams take on the Falcons next. They only had eleven carries for forty yards in week six. Didn't really seize the opportunity with Gurley being out. However, the Rams didn't see even see seize any opportunities either. So Goff was held to just seventy eight yards. He was sacked four times. And the offensive line looks a million miles away from the one that went to the Super Bowl at last this February. Sorry, the only thing to look at in this game is the volume. Brown got eleven carries to Darrell Henderson's six, and in a game where the Rams put out an average offense on that pace, Brown should get fifteen to sixteen touches. Look, if Gurley plays, this is completely irrelevant. I think because Gurley's going to get the most of the touches. Brown has been getting some touches, so is Henderson. But if Gurley misses time, Malcolm Brown's the man. And let's let's be honest, the Rams generally do quite well running back. They didn't this week, but if you're going to get the Rams running back against the Atlanta Falcons defense next week, a 25% owned, just go and grab him. And if you can afford to stash him on your bench for this week, knowing that Gurley's going to be out or waiting to see if Gurley's going to be out, you, he could be a win play for anybody. I, I just think outside of him and the, the guy we're going to move on to, there just isn't much better options out there um, for this week. So even if he's not, you're you're punting because even if it doesn't pan out by Wednesday, Thursday, you can cut him uh, and, and get Darrell Henderson or you can go and get somebody else. Um, it's not it's not the be or end all, but he's someone now, I think, if you're worried about um, Gurley's health long-term, he's someone that you can stash and, and play. So for me, uh, he's got to be picked up and he's, he's got to be owned. So uh, let that be you. And uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about preparing for the playoffs and preparing for the end of the season 
and some roster moves you're going to need to make. It's where I think we were at our strongest last year and where we won a lot of leagues that we just hung around in. And then we um, turned on the Jets because we picked up the right players at the right time and found it round week eight, week nine, week 10. That's the the time you start picking up these players that are going to make the difference for you. So, um, and I think Brown is one of those to get ahead of the eight ball on that. Another one I would say on that is Mark Walton of Miami. I think he's another one that you could uh, easily pick up this week as a stash for a couple of weeks. And I think uh, there's every chance he eats into Kerryon Drake's workload more and more. Kenyon Drake, sorry. <laughs> That's like the fourth time on this podcast. Not today, like in total, I've ever. Yeah, done I know. That. Every time you say it, I'm just thinking, brilliant. He said it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. He needs to be out of the league. I've had nothing. Um, so I've I've gone with uh, Jamal Williams, as you said. I, I wrote this before Monday night's game. Uh, wrote an article for the Touchdown.co.uk buy sell hold, and I said you need to sell Aaron Jones because um, Matt Lafleur has made this completely clear that this is a running back by committee. Um, and a timeshare and then what happens on uh, you know Sunday night or Monday night football is uh, Aaron Jones fumbles the ball near the goal line the ball goes straight to Jamal Williams and he runs it in and uh, he then gets 14 carries to Jones's 11 and he's far more efficient running over 111 yards so he had a brilliant week I think it was 113 in total I think he had um, so yes I, I there's a lot of people that believe that Aaron Jones was going to just win this job outright. Uh, I just didn't. I'd seen too much of Lafleur to believe that that was not the case. So in the buy, sell, hold, I said you should sell Aaron Jones at his peak because it's never going to get this good again. Cats out of the bag, people. If you didn't do it before Monday Night Football, you're not going to get the same offer as you were going to get on Sunday for Aaron Jones. So if you thought, I'll just get through this week, um, too late because the <laughs> cat's out of the bag. Um you know, there there are some things I am proud about with predictions. This is one of those because it's something that a lot of people were just so adamant that Aaron Jones was going to be this dominant back, and I just didn't buy into it based on what we'd seen. So, Jamal Jamal Williams, there's, there's two reasons you want to buy him. One because just in terms of volume, he's going to get enough carries to be relevant. He might lay an egg every now and again, but he's still going to be relevant most weeks as a flex play, especially through buys. But as well, Aaron Jones has a history of injuries and this is running back as well. And you know that if Aaron Jones gets injured in a team that are desperate to run the ball as much as they have done, you're picking up a low-end RB1. And Jamal Williams, if you had him in your uh, fantasy championship game last season, he pretty much won you you that belt. He sure did. Why don't you take the first wide receiver, Murph? Because you've been tooting this guy's horn for a little bit. Yeah, big fan of Cole Beasley this season. Um, so if you didn't pick him up, we put him on last week because he was on buy, so you get him cheap. Uh, you're not going to get the same price for him if you're in fab. You'll definitely be paying through the nose for him because his next three games are absolute fire. He's playing the Dolphins, the Eagles, and the Redskins. Oh, and if that wasn't easy enough, they're all at home. <laughs> so he's got a real, real capewalk of a fixture now for the next three. And people go, oh, with the Eagles. The Eagles' secondary is poor. I mean, it's awful at the moment. So um, Stefan Diggs has just made a mockery of them. So you, you pretty much know that they're bad. And I know he's the two. We're talking about Josh Allen here, but he's had nine targets in three or five games this season. The volume's there. The one thing he's been missing is touchdowns. He will break that streak during these three games. I'd almost guarantee it. 
Um, for me, with the volume he has, with the potential to touchdowns, he's in the wide receiver two conversation in each of the next three weeks. So if you haven't added him and you're in a fab league, then you're going to have to put some money down on him because he's for the next three weeks, he's as good as you're going to get on the waiver wire for me. Absolutely. And then my next one is Auden Tate. He's 18.8% owned. Yep, if you don't know who he is and you're not in the 18% of people who own him, he's the Bengals wide receiver. In week six, he had five receptions for 91 yards. They are on bye this week. However, the Bengals, and in particular Andy Dalton, were pretty poor against the Ravens on Sunday. The one takeaway was that Tate got five receptions to Boyd's one, with Boyd drawing the double coverage with AJ Green away. It's allowing Tate not to just be fancy relevant, but he is producing with the targets he's getting. There's a worry that Tate's days in the sun are coming to an end, though, with my boy AJ coming back. Not sure when that is, so Auden Tate is the hot hand at the moment. Grab him if you can and play him because he's getting the targets. I think you can plug him in as a wide receiver, three as a flex, and then I don't think you're going to have to pay too much to him because it, it doesn't seem Murph, that people are paying attention to who he is. So No, and, and if you're not paying attention to him, I want to read a stat that I found out since this, uh, since I wrote this, which was um, his um, target share from Sunday was 32%, which is nuts. I mean, it's that is a ridiculously high number and his number, that number has been trending up every single week. So that's not going to remain that consistent, but if he's getting 25% of the target share, I mean, that's nuts. And they're not interested in throwing the ball to Joe Mixon, which is for me, even more nuts. Um, I don't understand why Joe Mixon doesn't get the ball. And someone is going to have to sit down and have a conversation with me one day about that because Joe Mixon is the most underutilized back in football right now. I don't, I don't get it. Um, I'm not saying he's a Hall of Fame or anything, but he can catch the ball pretty well and he's a pretty, uh, pretty good sort of uh, dual threat running back. So I don't understand why he's not being used. But uh, Auden Tate, I think for this week is a, is a um, where well, he's on a bye now, and then he's got uh, week eight, and it's week eight. I think is going to be interesting um and yeah i don't think you're going to see aj green till till week nine. Oh, that's fine murph do you want to take tight end or kicker uh i'll take kicker because i've got no time for tight ends all right i'll do tight ends then oh man really <laughs> Why, if, if you can find yeah. a better one out there then please feel free to let me know because I can't find a better one out there. Uh, no, that's fine. I'll uh, I'll grab this one, and it's Darren Fells. He's only 1.7% owned. He takes on the Colts next. In week six, he had six receptions for 69 receiving yards. Uh, it's just horrible reading, isn't it? Let's be honest. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely dismal. Um, there just isn't... It, any Anyone that's potentially half-decent has either been snapped or... Um, is snapped. <laughs> Yeah, or snapped. Literally, you're. I mean, I I wouldn't want to be taking uh, the tight end who's the tight end three at Seahawks because they've traded their tight end two. So I don't even know who it is. I can't even be bothered to look at the depth chart to work out who's going to play tight end for them because I don't think they're relevant. It's not like the Seahawks have been known to be playing uh, high volume to their tight ends. I just think Disley was had played himself into that role um, through his uh, through the way he's been playing. So your options this week, I mean, this, this is how bad it gets. You've got Trey Burton. I mean, anyone that wants to play Trey Burton, I mean, chin up and good luck to you. Uh, Tyler Eifert, the same if he can't score against. 
Oh, by the way, Trey Burton's playing New Orleans. So, uh, you know, one of the best defenses in the league. Tyler Eifert, who couldn't score against Arizona, has got the Jags, which, again, don't like that matchup. Kyle Rudolph is apparently still a thing. Um, 20% owned. Jack Doyle against Houston. Um, Noah Fant against Kansas City. That was the one I debated with. Uh, don't pick Jordan Atkins up. He's not going to get the volume that Darren Fells is. And somehow he's the more owned tight end in Houston, which I don't understand. He's 7.5% owned. Dallas Goddard is 4.2% owned, and you're kind of just relying on Zach Ertz not being a thing. Uh, Rhett Ellison, if uh, Evan Ingram doesn't go, and he was pretty poor against the Patriots. Uh, Dawson Knox against Miami. Is, I mean, that's that the only other one. Sneaky. That could be sneaky. It could be 2.9% owned. Um, he's had a few catches there. Um, ben Watson got re-signed, but the fact that they cut him and then re-signed him doesn't bode very well. But uh, he's someone you want to have. Hayden Hurst, Tyler Higby, Ricky Seals-Jones, Jeremy Sprinkle, Mike Gazeki, <laughs> Irv Smith Jr., Cameron Brait, <laughs> Blake Jarwin, Ryan Izzo. That, this is what we're dealing with now. So... If you, I mean, to be honest, if you might play in the league, you might have Eric Ebron. A lot of people have dropped him. He's 39.7% owned. He's someone that against Houston might be worth a play. Hunt Henry, a lot of people might have dropped uh, if he's available. He's someone you probably want to be picking up. Need, uh, need to be picking up. I mean, he'll, he'll be injured by week 10, but at least he'll be uh, serviceable for the next sort of Yeah, week. but if he wins you, you know, 7, 8, 9, and 10, that's three wins your tight end wasn't going to win you. Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I give you that. So, yeah, I, I think uh, he's 50% owned, so he's another option. But that's pretty much all, you, all you've got there. Um, it's tough sledding at tight end. Um, it's, I go back to, you know, saying about drafting them. No one was really worth drafting. Um, and it's kind of lived up to be that case if you look at it now. Um, I try to even think who the tight end one is in fantasy football right now I can tell you um, Travis Kelsey is number three yeah Austin Hooper is still the tie M one in fantasy football Mark Andrews is two Kelsey three Engram four and he's missed a game Disley's five he's done Ertz is six Kittle is seven Waller is eighth and those three by the way between Zach Ertz drafted in the second round Kittle were drafted in the third round or they were sort of almost back to back and Darren Waller who, by the way, has had a bye week. Mind you, so is Kittle, but Zach Ertz hasn't. Uh, the difference between those three is four points. <laughs> That's a, uh, let's move on. Considering that Darren Waller was like undrafted. <laughs> That's no fun. Ah, uh, mate, it's hilarious. Like it's so bad to the point now that Hunter Henry, who has been out for the entire season, he's played two games, is only twenty points behind. Yeah, he's like tight end seventeen, isn't he? On the year or something? Yeah, ri- ridiculous. He's ahead of Jimmy Graham. <laughs> he's played every week. He's ahead of Eric Ebron. Oh my word. <laughs> We've derailed. Frustration, we've derailed. It's... We're laughing about how bad it is. Let me take Kicker quickly. So, Kicker... Well, why don't you smash through Kicker in DST and then we'll hit the okay. streets? How does that sound? 
Sounds good. Kicker. Um, so same again, plug and play last week. Uh, Matt Prater, I said, if you pick Matt Prater, he returns you kicker one numbers on the week, 21 points he got the lad. Um, so, you know, not just a pretty face and not just a hat rack with this head. Um, <laughs> what was happening? Oh, mate. I've got to take a victory lap. It was a bad week in fantasy for me, but Matt Prater was one that uh, came through. So yeah, Matt Prater, 21 points he kicked five field goals a uh, couple from distance I said he's got a good leg if you can find me a kicker that's less than 30 percent that's better than Matt Prater um good luck to you he's playing a, a Minnesota next so again should have an opportunity I, I did say that last week the game script was they'd need to kick field goals consistently to stay in the game so whether they do kick five field goals with one touchdown to stay in the game uh, it took a last-second field goal. I think it's the same again this week against Minnesota. I think they're going to have to kick field goals. Prato's a long leg. Um, they kicked two from over 50 yards this week. There you go. I mean, yeah. You, you don't get any better than a prediction that gives you 21 points as a kicker saying that they're going to have to kick a lot of field goals to stay in the game, and, and that's what happens. So I think it's a very similar game script. I'm not saying he's going to get 21 points again this week, but I definitely think uh, he's going to have another good week. So... Uh, I think fire him up. Absolutely. And then DST, Murphy, where are we going? So bad. Yeah, <laughs> I looked at the matchups and I was sitting there. There's two. I literally came down. There were two DSTs I could consider. One of them was Kansas City against Denver. And then I was just thinking, but the Kansas City Chiefs D is so bad. And I know Denver aren't the most all-powerful offense, but if they just put it together for about 20 minutes, they're going to score 25 points and they're not going to get near Flacco. They did it two weeks ago against the Chiefs, so who knows, it could happen again. Right. So I've gone for the Giants. And now the Giants aren't a great defense, but the couple of reasons I've gone for them, they're 0.9% owned. So I guarantee you pretty much the Giants are available in your league. Shall I tell you where they um, are available? They're available in my 20-team league. How's that? And that, By the way, if you're stashing two defenses, don't. I don't know what you're doing. Like, there are so many leagues I've been in where there's, like, five defences, six defences available. Why are you... Why, who are people that have two defences? There's one team in a eight-team league that I play in that has three, <laughs> three defences on their team. Wowzers. In an eight-team. I'm sitting there thinking, like, what are you doing? Um, so for those of you that read the iStreamer stream column uh, every week, uh, I'm currently streaming the DST4. <laughs> I'm proving you, literally proving to you every week, you do not need to draft a, ty- uh, a, a defense. Okay, if you draft the, the Patriots, then fine. But any other DST doesn't matter. So um, they're 0.9% owned. Arizona aren't amazing. I mean, yes, okay, that offense has clicked a little bit, but... Um, the Giants got a score against the Patriots. So I can fancy him to get a scoop and score or something like that. They're going to get some uh, some sacks, and I think they're in for a better week this week. The Giants, so I just fancy them to get some um, to get some points. However, I mean, in your leagues, if the DST for the Packers, the Jags, or the Forty Nineers are available for some reason, you should grab them over the Giants. But again, we're picking at the thirty percent threshold. Absolutely right, big man. It's time for them streets. Uh, yes, so let's get into the streets. Uh, not as good as last week's um, fire streets that we had, but uh, I do have some for you uh, that I've managed to pull out. I think are decent. So Aaron Rodgers in Monday night's win, 
He threw his first Monday night football interception since week three, 2010 against the Bears. So between those two INTs, Rogers threw 277 passes for 2,224 yards, 17 touchdowns and 112.6 passer rating on Monday night football. That's pretty good going. Yes, it is. I was just going <laughs> through that in my head and I was thinking, crikey. That's a, it's a good season. <laughs> yeah, it is. Wow. Um, so I think I've made this quite clear that I think the NFC is better than the AFC. And there's now some numbers to uh, really suggest uh, that this is the case. So the combined record of the 2019 NFC teams is 49-40-2. And it's the second highest win percentage through six, ga- uh, through six weeks since 2002. And 11 of the 16 teams are above 500. Inversely, the 2019 <laughs> AFC teams are 41 and 50, uh, which is the second lowest win percentage through six weeks of 2002. And since then, only seven, well, and of those 16 teams, only seven of those teams are above 500. Wow. I was shocked it was seven. I actually only thought it was six. <laughs> That's just awful, isn't it? It just tells you the difference between the AFC and the NFC right now. It's really skewed. Um, Matt Bryan of the Atlanta Falcons has joined Hall of Famers Kurt Warner and Steve Young as the only players in NFL history to pass for at least 300 yards in each of their team's first six games. Now, if the Falcons are five and one and not one and five, Matt Ryan is having a Hall of Fame year. <laughs> we, we, you and me both said all season long. Matt Ryan is who we're targeting at, at QB in a lot of leagues. Um, and a lot of leagues where we played, we got him quite early, like in the ninth round or whatever. People got wise sort of um, as it got through draft season and went too high for us. But um, in a lot of leagues where we got Matt Ryan early, we've just set him and don't even need to look at it, which is great. So uh, he's having a really, really good season, <laughs> despite the fact that the Falcons are one and five, which I think is hilarious. Um the Seahawks are, have allowed uh, the Seahawks allowed touchdowns on the Browns' first three drives of the game, and this is the first time they've allowed three touchdowns on their opponents' first three drives since Week 13, 2008, 11 years ago, and that was versus the Cowboys. The Cowboys won that game 34 to nine. Of course, the Seahawks came back and beat the Browns this week because they only allowed six more points for the rest of the game. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah. So uh, there were some cool stats in there, but. Not quite as good as as we normally get. Let's hope week seven delivers uh, a a little bigger treat for us. Well, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Right, Murph, let's finish this off with a real deep DST. Basically, in my 20-team league, my DST is the Panthers. Had a decent week against your Bucks, unfortunately, but they're on bye this week. There is only six teams to choose from, one of them being the Buccaneers. They're on bye. The teams left are the Colts, the Cardinals, the Raiders, the Dolphins, and the Jets. Put that into perspective, the Colts play Houston, the Cardinals take on the Giants, the Raiders take on Green Bay, the Dolphins are at Buffalo, and then the Jets are at home versus New England. Wow. I'm surprised the Colts are available. That's a weird one to be available. Like, I know they're not amazing, but you would have thought in a... Um, that's a good question. I would probably... So, that I'd leave, I'm... There's two teams that stand out there, which are the Jets and the Colts. Now, can I play the Jets? <laughs> well, I don't think the the uh, offense for the the Patriots has been amazing. 
Um, having said that, so I'm looking at the game logs for the Colts DST. So, all right, hell of a bye last week. They've had two 11-point weeks out of six, and a six-point week. Um, so of their five games, two 11, one six. Um, their 11 were against Tennessee, which, all right, fair enough, but also Kansas City, which is quite quite good. Yeah. But they did really badly against Oakland, um, which is shocking. And then not so great against Atlanta, which isn't as shocking. Um, so they're playing Houston. That's quite a tough matchup. Meanwhile, the Jets DST. So let's look at the Jets DST so far this season. So the Jets DST, okay, they did nothing against Dallas uh, at all. Um, literally only one sack, so got zero points. But in their other four outings this season, they got 19 against Buffalo, four against Cleveland, 15 when they played New England the first time round because they got that touchdown, and then seven against Philly. <laughs> so if you're chasing upside, I'd go with the Jets. If you're chasing a floor, I'd go with the Colts. Yeah, I'm going to go upside play then. Yeah. Now, that's who to true. drop? Kenny Stills. See you later. Yeah, that's fair. Bear in mind, it is a 20-team league, so everybody's valuable. But Yeah. Awesome. That's a fair shout. Thanks for your help, mate. I appreciate it as always. Rush Nation, if you are in a 20-team league and there the defence is left, take the Jets with me and ride that pony all the way to a win. By the way, just I'm just looking at defensive stats because you've had me look at them. Do you know the Redskins' ownership? I know they're playing Miami. Went up 51.7% last week. That's, that's quite a jump. That's a huge jump. Like That's ridiculous. 51% ownership in one week. So literally the entire world picked them up last year. Last week, interesting. What Sorry, they did. Uh, well, they did really well against uh, the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Can we call them Dolphins, or should we change their name to like Porpoises or something until they start trying to win a game rather than just deliberately throwing away uh, wins? And don't, uh, they definitely threw that way on purpose. Anybody oh, else? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. But that that's a that's another podcast in itself as well. We yeah. have to do a spin-off for the baker and a spin-off for the organic fish tank, but let's not get into that right now, Murph. That um, is fair. Mate, this has been a blast. Always is, my friend. Always is. It's definitely been more fun than the uh, group I got tagged into earlier on today, which uh, with the topic of Winston for Mario to straight up trade. Thoughts? Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> let's leave that one right away. Yeah, I literally had to mute that because it was annoying me. I, I replied with a very classic um, I would probably swap over Wilson for Wilson, the volleyball from the film Castaway, right about because <laughs> I feel it would offer more value uh, than Bobo Wilson. And actually not one person in that chat liked it. Everyone else was just going back to, how can you say something so stupid about like Mariota being traded for Winston? So this is what happens with we got back on his fans after a loss. It's a bit a bit mental. So yeah. if you're if you're in that chat, someone like my post. It's quite a shame. Like not one person reacted to it. Maybe they don't know who Bobo Wilson is. Maybe they don't watch games. I don't really know. I'm not saying it was overly funny, but it deserved a like just to take away how stupid conversation was. Anyway, I've ruined your ending. I apologize. No, it's fine. Head over to fiveyardrush.co.uk, Rush Nation, check out the articles. We got the waiver wire one up there. Murph stream a stream. Our new writer, Dre, has dropped one about trade targets, which is an absolute banger. And he's got something else in the pipeline I haven't told you about, Murph, so I'll tell you off-air so I don't ruin it for Rush Nation. Sick. I'll stick, I'll stick these injuries up there. I'll just put a list up there with a short paragraph or here or there. Um, just so I ran through we, yeah, we ran through 30 names, so we'll put those up there for you. And starts, it should hopefully be up by tomorrow afternoon. Perfect. And then we've got Lockdown Corners on Thursday. Ash's r- Rookie article Friday. 
and then a podcast on Thursday with an absolute belter of a guest. I'm not going to be on it. Murph is. Otherwise, it would just be the guest, and then it would be his podcast, and that would be weird. But Murph is going to podcast for own Yeah, that's true. Let's let's get him on ours. Murph's going to be back with you Thursday, Rush Nation, and uh, Murph. I'll catch you real soon, my friend. But as always, don't forget, keep rushing. live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.